to be in Luke chapter 10, and then also just for a brief time in John chapter 11. It's the third sermon in the series, Women of the Bible. A couple weeks ago, we started off by talking about Proverbs 31 and and Lemuel's mother, and then uh, last week we talked about uh, Rahab, and then... um, uh, since that one went okay, uh, I thought, uh, and, and it was something that I hadn't done before. I'd never preached on Rahab before, an entire sermon anyway. I thought, this week, let, let's choose someone else that I've never preached a whole sermon on. And it's actually two people, and we're going to talk about the two women in the Bible known as Mary and Martha. Now, I've mentioned them before in sermons, but I don't think I've ever preached an entire sermon. So we're going to dig in and see what we can learn today. Again, we're in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. But a little context behind this passage of Scripture first. From what we can glean in this passage of Scripture and in John chapters 11 and 12, Mary and Martha uh, lived together with their famous brother Lazarus, and it appears that Martha is probably a widow because she is the head of the household, right? And here in the home of, of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, Jesus and his disciples, they sit down for a time of relaxation. They're just trying to get away from the crowds. They go to a friendly place uh, that they knew they could go to and, and relax a little bit. And they just wanted to get away from the people. And what we see here is a home that Jesus had probably been to uh, several times It was a place that he went to that he knew he was loved. It was a place that he was accepted. It was a place where he knew he could just get away. And so both sisters are excited to see Jesus, but you're going to see here in just a moment that they express their enthusiasm in in different ways, okay? And so beginning in verse 38, this is what we're told in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem... They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And so we see a contrast in in these ladies' personalities. It seems like Martha is very activity-oriented, and her sister Mary seems to be more of just the thoughtful kind of person. And I believe that sometimes what we do is we have this tendency to compare and contrast Mary and Martha, maybe wrongly so, um, as though each person, each Christian has to make a choice whether you're going to be a worker like Martha or you're going to be a worshiper like Mary. But when we do that, I think we're missing the point of what this story is all about. I think that the Lord wants us to imitate worship like Mary did, and I also think that he wants us to imitate Martha in her work, but I think he wants us to achieve balance in both of these things, right? And so here's what happens. Mary comes and she is content to just sit at the feet of Jesus. She's just content to sit there, soak up the word, and not do anything. But her big sister, Martha's in the other room and she's looking around at all of the uh, the guests, and so she goes in the other room, she starts preparing this big meal. She says, somebody's got to do something about this, 
Okay? And so Martha's obviously, she's a great hostess, which was a good thing back in those days. Uh, hospitality was huge in that culture. And so she says, I cannot make this situation look bad. And so she gets up and she begins to prepare food for Jesus and all of the people that are there uh, in the house with Jesus. And Martha probably thought to herself, what a privilege to be able to fix a meal for my master. Mary, on the other hand, was thinking what a privilege it is to just sit at the feet of the master. Okay? Is one right and the other wrong? I don't think so. I think that what we do sometimes is we think, you know, one of these should have been doing something different. But I think that we, we, we can see that, that both are okay. I think that we can see that, that God both wants us to worship him completely and he wants us to work for him. But there has to be balance. And so every action, every relationship, every institution that exists, they've got some kind of focus. Have you ever noticed that? They, they sometimes they're called focus statements or vision statements or mission statements. And, and they have a reason for existing, okay? If it ever hopes to succeed, they've got to have these things out in front of them. And if they lose their focus over what is most important, then whatever it is, their mission or their company or whatever it is, is going to fail. When we lose our focus as Christians... In other words, when we don't really realize why we're doing what we're doing, I think we're in trouble. And I think this is what we see in this story. It wasn't that one was right and the other was wrong. It was more that uh, maybe some focus was being lost here in this story. And so I want to point out a few things to you very quickly that can happen if we lose our focus. Okay, If you lose your focus, then I think what can happen is you will start to think too much about yourselves. When we lose focus of who Jesus is and what he means to us in our lives, then sometimes we have this tendency to focus more on ourselves. And I want to ask you ladies a question because it's you ladies that probably deal with this more than men. But how many of you love it when a large group of people just unexpectedly drop by your house and expect you to fix them some food? Raise your hand if you love that. All right. Maybe there's a couple of you, but I'm going to guess most of you don't love that when people just unexpectedly drop by and they want you to fix something. Some of you may, but probably not. Well, the first part of verse 40, it tells us that Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And when you look at the Greek word for what is being said here, it carries with it the meaning she was dragged away or she was pulled away by this big dinner that she had to fix. In other words, it really wasn't something that she wanted to do. She, she just felt that it was a need to do. She was pulled away. She was dragged into it, but she felt obligated to have to fix this meal. I'm going to guess that Martha wanted to hang out with Jesus too. I'm sure she would have loved to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he had to say as well. But she was pulled away by her sense of duties. I have to do this. She starts fretting about the meal. And because she's fretting about this job that she has to do, she loses her joy of serving the Lord. I think sometimes we get that way, you know? I mean, I know we need to take our responsibilities seriously. You know, that's good. But I think what happens sometimes is we, I don't know, and... and I've been guilty of this, I think, at times. We overestimate just how important we are sometimes. 
You know, it's like, I just have to do this. If I don't do this, then something's not going to get uh, accomplished or, or God's will isn't going to be accomplished or something like that. And, and I think that's what's happening here. The problem wasn't in the work that Martha was doing. It was the attitude with which she was doing it. Her attitude became the problem. Martha's life was a little out of balance here, right? Between doing and, you know, and like going and doing or just should she sit and listen to Jesus? And I hesitate to say that there are probably some out there that maybe, you know, you're, you're, maybe you feel more like Mary. You, you don't really want to do all that much. You'd rather just sit and, and listen. But I think there has to be a balance between the two of them. The truth is, that, and this is what I feel, and, and I'm sorry if, if this hits home with somebody, but I think the problem in a lot of our churches is if we, we got way too many sitters and not enough doers. It takes both. Right? And then we've got some people that want to just go out and do, 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 and they don't want to come and sit and listen and worship. I think it takes both. It takes duty and it takes devotion. It takes us being obligated to what God is calling us to do, and it also takes uh, us showing our love for Christ by sitting at his feet as often as, as we can. I think what happens is we become so busy in our daily lives with the everyday things that, that happen in life that oftentimes we neglect what is most important. How many of you remember the old cartoon, The Jetsons? Anybody remember The Jetsons, right, from the 70s? It, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I was uh, looking up some of the things from the the Jetsons. Uh, some of you are looking at me like, what in the world is a Jetson? Well, if you're too young, look it up. You'll love it. It's kind of good, I guess. Maybe not so much now. But anyway, some of the things that happened in the Jetsons that kind of predicted what would happen today, like flat screen TVs. That was back in the 70s on the Jetsons. Like, that's going to be a big deal uh, someday. And they were right. Smart watches, Remember that? Video calls, uh, drones, holograms, uh, digital newspaper, automatic vacuums. They had those on the Jetsons back in the 70s, right? A talking dog. We haven't seen that one yet, but maybe it's coming. I don't know, but that was the coolest one, I thought. But anyway, here's what this show is all about. They conveyed some common misconception of the time that in the future, we're going to have all of these modern conveniences, and because of all of these modern conveniences that we have, life is going to be so much easier, and I'm going to have less things to do, and there's going to be a lot less stress, and I'm going to have a lot more time to do things that I want to do or do things for the Lord because of all of these modern conveniences. How many of you have had days where you'd like to just chuck your smartphone? You know, we, th we think it's, it's, it's this wonderful, and it is if used in the right time, but man, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm actually shorter now than I used to be because I've looked down so much like this that, that my neck is kind of staying that way. Yeah. The facts are, even with all of these modern conveniences, we still find ways to get overworked. You, some of us, we just simply, we, we work too many hours. It's become expected of us today that we have to, we have to work this. If we want to be successful, we have to work this much. And we run ourselves into the ground with busyness. You think about it. When someone asks you, you know, what are you doing? 
Hey, how you been? Well, what's your first response? I'm busy, you know. And maybe you are, and maybe you're not, but that seems to be always our response, almost like if we don't say that we're busy, then people are going to think that we're lazy. There's just days I want to be like Big Al on the Country Bears. Anybody seen it? One of the greatest movies of all time. Can I get an amen? Two of you. Three. Okay, very good, very good. Big Al on the Country Bears. There's a scene. I love it. Look this up too. It's great. Great. It's about talking bears, talking dogs, talking bears. This is all just wonderful stuff. Look it up. And, and Big Al, he's, he's on the farm where the Country Bear Music Hall is. You know, it's a true story. And, and so... Uh, the cops show up because they're looking for the, the, little, the little brother, the adopted little bear. I don't, if this is a spoiler, spoiler alert, I'm sorry. And, and so he comes, and the, the cops say to Big Al, ask him some questions, right? And then, then they say before they leave, they say, where can I find you? And Big Al says, right here. Or maybe over there in a little while. Sometimes I'm over by that tree, right? Wouldn't it be nice if that's all we had, if we could just kind of be that way sometimes, where we don't have much urgency, we don't have much going on, but what happens is we become so busy that we miss out on what is sometimes most important, and then what happens is we become so busy, then we start to have a pity party for ourselves because of how busy we are. Martha was worrying so much about the meal that it robbed her of the joy of serving the Lord. Here's the deal. We've got to take our responsibilities seriously, but we can't take ourselves so seriously or, or, or overestimate our importance so much that we see people doing stuff that we don't think they ought to be doing or we see people not doing the things that we think they ought to be doing and we start feeling sorry for ourselves and we wonder why they're not doing what we're doing. Have you ever done that? This is what's happening in this story with Mary and Martha and Jesus and then what we have this tendency to do is we start to judge what other people are doing and we start to pull away from them. We feel distant from them and we feel distant from our family, from our friends, from our church family and we sit around and we wonder, well, I don't feel as connected as I used to feel. Kyle Eidelman says this, busyness is the enemy of connection. If we're going to prioritize connection, we have to schedule it. It needs to be the most important part of our day. Connecting with God, connecting with each other. This is what happened with Martha. Busyness caused her to have a loss of focus, and it led to her only thinking about herself, and she missed out on the connection she could have had with Jesus on that day. And then in the story, we see a loss of focus can cause you to become angry at others. You start to resent others. You say, why aren't they doing what I'm doing? And you start to resent them and get mad at them. And our world is just so full of distractions. And the more pressure, the more tempting it is to focus on these things that seem urgent to us rather than the things that are really important. We go around putting out all of these fires rather than focusing on what is really important. And I honestly believe Martha wanted to honor Jesus. And I even believe that she began her work with the right attitude. How many of you can identify with this? Again, probably ladies. You begin the task of a huge festive meal, let's just say Thanksgiving. 
You've got the greatest enthusiasm. You've got a bunch of people coming over. And uh, you're just excited about it. But then time starts to pass. And you start to lose your enthusiasm because you, you realize you've taken on too much. And you start looking around and you see all these things that still need to be done. But then there's all these people sitting in your house that's watching parades and football games. And they're not doing anything, right? And so you start to get a little agitated and you think there's no possible way that I can finish everything that I plan to do. And then what happens is you start to get a little upset. You start to get angry at yourself because you got yourself into this fix. And then you start to get angry at other people because they're not lifting a finger to help you do anything. And I think this is what's happening here with Martha. And I think the harder that she worked, the more worked up she became. Some people burn out in service, but Martha, she was burnt up in hers. I mean, it, it, it got to the point where she was angry. It, there's a song that was released. Again, I'm going to show my uh, redneckness here. Uh, 1971 country song, Del Reeves, recorded a song called, you're going to love his title, Working Like the Devil for the Lord. Think about that for a moment. Working like a devil for the Lord. Are you working, really working night and day, working hard? Are you working like the devil for the Lord? Well, I'd hate to be in your shoes when you get your big reward if you're working for the devil uh, or working like the devil for the Lord. I think that's what we do sometimes. We, we work, we work, we work, we work, we work. We think we're doing all of these things, but what's our focus? Why are we doing all of these things? You know, it's bad enough to have all of these things to have to do, but it's even worse when we start to look at our schedules and our lives and we, we see all of these things that we're doing, and then we start to look at somebody else and we say, well, they're not pulling their weight. This person has let me down. I'm doing all of these things, and this person has let me down. We do this with family members. We do this with coworkers. We do this within the church, and this is what I think is happening with Martha here. Charles Hummel says in his book, Freedom from Tyranny of the Urgent, this is what he says, tension and frustration mount when we are performing the wrong tasks or trying to cram too many of the right activities into a given period. A critical spirit develops and we begin to judge and condemn others for what they do or don't do. He goes on to say, anytime you feel a wave of criticism gaining momentum in your spirit, remember that it's completely out of line as far as God is concerned. And I think this is exactly what was happening in our story here, right? A loss of focus caused her to get angry at others, and then it began, uh, it, it caused her to find fault with, with others, okay? And that's the next thing that can happen. If you're taking notes, a loss of focus can cause you to find fault with others. You get angry at them, then you start to look at all of the things that, that they're doing wrong. Not just the one thing that's got you irritated, but then you start to look at their whole lives, and then you say, well, they never have done that. Look at think about this time. Blah, 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 blah. And we start dredging up all of these things that they've done that really aren't even relevant to the current situation. Second part of verse 40, Martha finally had had enough. She explodes, right? She comes boiling out of the kitchen. She's red-faced. She's furious. And this is what she said. She said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. She didn't even call her sister by name. Look at that. Doesn't it seem fair to you that my sister doesn't, doesn't call her Mary? Her? She? One of us would have said that knucklehead? Or, you know, that, that 
whatever word you would call your sister when you're angry at her or your brother. And, and he, she doesn't even, even bother calling her by name. Maybe she'd already done everything that she could do to get her attention. You ever think about that? You see her just kind of slaving away in the kitchen and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's like, <clears throat> you know, have you ever seen this happen where, where, where you get these signals from people? You know, some people have the clear of the throat. Some people have the uh, code word. You know, you got a code word. If you guys get in trouble, you got that code word that you're saying, and you know that, you know, something's got to change. Or maybe you guys can relate to this. You get the look. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? And, and it's time to do something. Maybe that was, maybe she was trying all of that stuff. I don't know. But I think what we have here in this text is that Martha's upset with Mary, and then she's even more irritated that the other person, that Mary is ignoring her. And then Martha. Man, she just unloads. And I think that Mary was okay with that because she still was sitting at the feet of, you can get mad if you want to, I'm going to do what is most important. And here's one thing that we need to understand. Nobody can force you to be devoted to Jesus. Nobody can force you to do that. This is a voluntary decision that you have to make and what happened in this particular situation is that Martha's loss of focus caused her to find fault with what Mary was doing and then it caused her to doubt God look at that whatever Martha has tried to do up to this point to get Mary's attention she is totally exasperated with her sister and so then she turns away from her sister and gets into Jesus's face basically and says Lord doesn't it seem unfair to you or, or some translations say Lord don't you care um I'm not sure I would say that to Jesus Martha's angry at, at Mary over the situation for being so selfish and then she's angry at Jesus for allowing it to happen this is what she said and you got to admit she's a gutsy woman right you got to admit it, it takes some backbone to be able to Martha is accusing Jesus of not caring for her because Jesus if you really cared then you would have Mary help me Today, she'd say something to the effect, Lord, you, you know what my sister's like. You know what a knucklehead she can be. But Jesus, you're part of the problem, too. You tell her to get her sweet self in here and help me out. Can you just hear Martha saying this to Jesus? Yeah. And so not only did she rebuke her sister for what her sister wasn't doing, but she's getting on the person that she's preparing all of this stuff for. And when we get to the point in our lives where our service to the Lord becomes such a distraction that it causes us to lose focus, that we start to criticize other people and pity ourselves because we feel overworked, we better take a step back. We better examine our own lives. It's interesting to me how Martha links Jesus' care for her 
with his willingness to tell Mary, or his unwillingness to tell Mary uh, to help her out, you know? Martha thought that she knew what was best for her, what was best for her situation. How many of you have ever thought that you knew what was best for your situation only to find out that God had something completely different in mind, and then you sit back and you go, oh yeah, God, that's, that's right, that's, that's definitely best. We do it all the time, don't we? Do we ever accuse God of not caring for us because we've already decided what his care for us ought to look like? You know, Lord, if you really cared, I'd get this job. Lord, if you really cared, then this person would like me. Lord, if you really cared, you would heal me of my sickness. The thing that's difficult for us as humans is that our ways are not God's ways. We're, we don't understand everything that God understands. We don't know everything that God knows. And there comes a point in time where we just have to step back and we have to trust him even if we don't really like the circumstances. In today's story, Jesus, by his refusal to do as Martha asked him to do, demonstrates that even though she was doing a valuable work, she needs to worry less about what Mary's doing and concentrate more on what she needs to be doing. And it all boiled down to the fact that Martha wanted to force Mary to serve Jesus the way that she served Jesus. And I've seen this happen in ministry before. Man, some people, they get fired up over their ministry. And I love when people get fired up over their ministry in the church and they're really on board and they really want to work for the Lord. That's a good thing. However, there's a lot of good ministries going on that need support and attention as well. But we, we start to play this game where my ministry is more important than their ministry. And so we become critical of another person's ministry. I think that's what's happening here in this particular situation. And I think it all boils down to this. And this is, this is how we can remedy this. And, and uh, um, it's, this is not in your outline, but I added this uh, a couple of uh, days ago. Uh, so th there's actually a fifth point, and, and this is how you can remedy this situation. Regain your focus by remembering why you're doing what you're doing. I think it's healthy for us to just sit back every once in a while and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing this? What's my, what's my end goal here? What is my end game here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Here's, here's as the text continues. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Jesus responds with incredible tenderness. And Jesus didn't even rebuke her. You notice that? He didn't get on her for, for not doing what Mary was doing. Didn't get on her for being busy and making all these preparations. He's not rejecting Martha's service. Martha's problem was not that she was preparing food for her guests to eat. This was necessary. Her problem was she gave way too much importance to it. And I think we, 
I think we have to be careful that we do not let the necessary things that must be done get out of balance and distort our lives. The core of Martha's problem is that she and she tried to impose her value system on Mary. Again, Jesus didn't say to Martha, you need to do what Mary's doing. It was Martha's attitude that needed correction. Mar Martha's work was good. Martha's work was necessary. But her attitude stunk. And the reality is, a lot of believers today, that's, that's where we land. Right? A lot of times, that's where we're at. Working like the devil <laughs> for the Lord. The reality is we need to have a little bit of Martha in us and a little bit of Mary in us. Martha came to Jesus because she wanted Jesus to lighten her load with everything that she was doing. And Jesus lightened her load, but she, he didn't do it the way that she thought he ought to do it. She wanted her physical load lightened, but he lightened her spiritual load. He gave her a better perspective on work. Right? We can never forget why we do what we do for the Lord. And a lot of times I understand we get turned upside down. We start to feel overworked. We start to feel overwhelmed. We start to feel underappreciated, maybe completely unappreciated. But when we keep our attitude right, we find that God will enable us to do what needs to be done with joy and with satisfaction. And this all happens when we take time to sit at the feet of Jesus too. We're not going to have that joy and satisfaction if we're not spending time with Jesus. Martha wasn't wrong. Neither was Mary. And our walk with Christ needs to have this balance of working for the Lord, but also having a deep relationship with Him. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And, and one thing that, that I want to uh, point out to you about these two women is that... Um, um, this isn't the only thing we know about these two ladies, okay? And, and one of the greatest confessions that ever comes in Scripture is recorded in John 11. Remember when their brother had died, Lazarus had died, right? And Jesus had arrived, and he's, he's come to comfort them, and, and, and he's, he tells them, I am the resurrection and the life. And he turned and he asked Martha, he said, do you believe this? And her response is one of the greatest confessions of all time. Ranks right up there with Peter. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. She says this, yes, Lord, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And so she apparently overcame her propensity to be distracted long enough to sit at the feet of Jesus, long enough to know that he was indeed the Son of God. And then we see in Scripture also Mary couple more times, right? John chapter 12, one of the most moving pictures of sacrificial worship. Remember the story we're told that Mary broke a jar of incredibly expensive perfume, anointed Jesus' feet with it. She's criticized by one of the apostles, maybe by others. We don't really know for sure. And then she's also one of the first ones there at the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead. 
when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you learn not to quit because of hard feelings. When someone criticizes you and says you ought to be doing it this way or you ought to be doing it that way or you ought to be doing it just like I'm doing it. This is when, to the best of our ability, that, that's part of that turning the other cheek and going on. And by going on, I don't mean go on out the door and down the road to another church. <laughs> what I'm talking about is like, listen, they're wired different than I am. Their ministry is different than mine. Matthew 26, 13, we find that Jesus had these words of compliment to say concerning the act of Mary. When Mary poured the perfume out on his feet, this way he said, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And so these two passages of Scripture concerning Martha's confession and Mary's worship, it gives evidence that both of these sisters achieved that balance between service and worship, between duty and devotion. But the question of the, that, that, that I need to ask this morning is, what about you? Where do you land? Have you been given too much to the non-essentials? Have you been given too much to the things that really, I don't know, just satisfy your need to want to help people rather than your need to serve Jesus? Or maybe, and I've been guilty of this too, but I like, to, I like a good attaboy. And sometimes I have found myself guilty of helping people just because I want the recognition. Jesus said, no, mm-mm. That's not how you do it. During this song of decision, I think it would be a great time for any of us that struggle with that kind of thing to just give it to Jesus. Be obedient to maybe what the Lord is saying to you today. Are you too busy? Maybe there's some things you need to let go. Are you serving with the wrong attitude? Maybe you need to repent of that and say, Lord, help me. Guilty of having a critical spirit at times. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never made that confession that Martha made. I, I believe that you're the son of God. Maybe that's where some of you need to start. Whatever it is, I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And as we sing this song of decision, uh, if you have a need, whatever it might be, First-time decision, um, you, you need to be prayed with. Maybe it's right where you're at to just decide, Lord, what do I need to do with your word today? I pray that you do it. Let's pray.